This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. This Torah class is brought to you by torahanytime.com. Perfect. What we're going to learn about today, everyone, for Megillah Sester 5780 is Parak Aleph, Pasuk Yud Aleph. Everybody knows the basic story. We're just going to go through some of it and try to go through a round. So here's the idea behind it. It says, Lahabiyas Vashi Amalkalutnam Alpakasramalchus. Akashverish had an 187 day party. On day 187 up until this point, he's been amazing. He served more food than drink. His plan was to wear the coin, the clothing of the coin gadol and to be this awesome person that really would start over what Judaism is going to be. He felt that the 70 years were up based on his cheshben, that the Gemara goes through that he was wrong on. He was completely off, but he decided this is what he's going to do. He's going to make sure that he's the next king. But on day 187, when the Jews were gone because it was Shabbos and they were having their own thing, he got drunk. And they had a discussion. The discussion going on between the different people were the Medians got along. They came along and they said that the Median women are the most beautiful women in the world. The Persians came along. They said the Persian women were the most beautiful women in the world. And comes Akashverosh and said, listen, I married a Kasti. I married a Babylonian woman. And I feel she's the most beautiful woman in the world. Do you want to see her? This is the line. He was supposed to bring Vashti the queen in front of the king wearing only her crown. To show the nations and the officers her beauty. Because she was a very beautiful woman. So again, we already t- I got the idea of what was happening over here, but there's an unreal line. The people at this party, after they heard, your wife is the most beautiful, they said, well, we'll believe you if you bring Vashti in front of us, but only if she comes without any clothes on. If she comes with clothes on, then we're not going to believe you that she's really beautiful. First of all, aside from the fact that they knew what the queen already looked like, they must have known something. Who would say that in front of a king? Would you say that in front of the king? They like, suggested. sure, we'll agree. They suggested a coin of the Gemara. They suggested it. And Ahasuer said, sure, yes, I'll, I'll bring her out like that. And that's Lahabias Vashti Amalka. What in the world were they thinking? First of all, what they were thinking, what were they thinking in the first place? And second of all, what in the world would Ahasuerus be doing over here? What was the plan? The plan was to really bring her along? So Ksav Sofer, First of all, learns this drush from the word laharos ha'amim vasarim es yafya, her beauty. They wanted to see her actual beauty, not the fake stuff, not the stuff that she was because she had beautiful clothing or she was beautiful this and whatever it is, the makeup. Her actual beauty, her actual yafe, her idea of what yofi could be is only when there's nothing else and that's where they darshan it from. They get it from her beauty itself. But everybody else darshans it just from the word bekeser malchus. She was supposed to come with only the crown on her head. If she's wearing her queenly clothing, of course she'd have her crown on. But here, it's Bekeser Malchus. Only the Keser Malchus. There was nothing else on except for that. There's a safer Dibre Shalom Ve'emes that asks, why didn't he answer them that the Babylonians are the most beautiful? Like they said to him, one of the Persians said, the Persians are the most beautiful. The Median said, the Medes are most beautiful. And he said, I have a wife who happens to be Kasti. Do you want to see her? Why didn't he just say the Babylonians are the most beautiful? The same way that they were saying from him. He answers based on the Chidah. Now listen to this. Achashverosh was actually blind. Anybody know that? He was blind. 
The first time that he was able to see, now I want to be careful when I say this, by the way, blind may not be the same thing as blind as it is nowadays. Like, technically, I am blind also, right? I, 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 does, everybody, does everybody recognize me when I took off my glasses? It's okay, right? I just, sometimes I wonder if I'm Superman, I, but I'm not. But I, I, I was, I, I, I just, you find it strange. It could be that a negative 750 in eyesight is considered blind. It is legally blind when it comes to driving and you gotta wear glasses, etc. It could be that's what it means by he was blind. But he was blind, says the Chida. He became healed when he was sitting on his throne and Esther came to plead on behalf of the Jews. So when she came in asking him to come to that party that night, that's exactly when he got his eyesight back. He got his eyesight back right then. This is why he turned his scepter to her. Because all of a sudden he became, he was able to see. He stood up and he said, what is this? And the first thing he sees is Esther standing at the end of the room. That's why he turned his scepter toward her. It's different from the Gemara. The Gemara says that he really was trying to kill her, and then the Malach made the scepter go even longer. Here it's different. A miracle happened at that moment. Since he was blind, by the way, it makes a lot of sense that he chose Esther. Esther, as we all know from the Gemara, was Yurakurokis Haisa. She was a little bit green. There was something up, right? It could be that he was looking for the most beautiful woman to him, to him, and Esther was, even though there were qualities that she had that other women didn't have, as we've said before. At the time, Esther was 74 years old. She was also the wife of the Gadol Ador, and she was greenish. You'd think that that would disqualify her three ways through, if not more, right? It, it, you'd think that that would be one thing that Akshverosh would not want. But he did. He was fine with it. Since he was blind at this time, he couldn't tell them that she was the most beautiful. He said, I don't know if she's the most beautiful or not. I have a Kazdian woman. Would you like to see her? Maybe you can tell me if she's the most beautiful woman in the world. She was. Vashi was an unbelievably beautiful woman, says the Gemara. But he had absolutely no idea. And he said, do you want to see her to judge it for yourselves? That's why he said it that way. So again, the Ksav Sofer says he learned out from Yafya. The Rav Chaim and Tamir Kran, most of the other Rishonim say it comes out from the words Bekeser Malchus. And Divir Shalom Ba'emes, based on this Chidah, says that Akashverosh really had no idea and therefore wanted them to judge it. But again, who in the world would say this to the king? You wouldn't say that to the king. You wouldn't say this to anyone. It's the dumbest thing in the world to say. Yes, we'll check her, but only if she comes without any clothes on. That is the dumbest thing in the world to say. So the marshal says it really was the king's suggestion. That's as what you were saying before. The king suggested and said, do you think she should come without clothes on to prove to you that she's the most beautiful person in the world? Do you think that's a good idea? And he told them, it's not the clothes and the jewelry that makes her beautiful. It's really a natural beauty to her that was amazing. And they said, okay, if that's what you're saying, you want to prove that to us, then we're in. We'll, we'll judge it for ourselves when he's here that way. So it was his suggestion, not theirs. That's the marshal's idea. That's not Medjuyik in the Gemara. Yeah. Why would he do it? He's drunk. drunk. Simply put, he's drunk. Yeah, he's drunk, and he thought that that was the best idea. I'm sorry. Well, the Malvum has a whole different view. Yeah, give me a second with the Malvum on this, because the Malvum has a totally different view. Then comes the Ben Yishchai. The Ben Yoyada. Ben Yishchai and the Ben Yoyada says he knew that this would be a problem. If he asked them, I should say he knew, they knew that this is going to be a problem. What's going to happen over here? Akashverosh is not bringing his own wife and that's it. He said he wanted to have a beauty contest and that there would be other people there. Says the Ben Yoyada, that means that not only is his wife Vashti going to come in, but all the other women are going to come in as well. That's a problem in front of the king because Akashverosh could very easily at any point say, I want her. If any of them parade by and he desires them, 
Well, then he takes their wives. Well, he's blind, like, I'm sorry? If he's blind. Well, if he's blind, yeah, yeah, we have to go away from that, from that measure. But if any one of them, right, I, I, any one of them would be there, I have an answer for that, but it's a little bit of a weird answer, I don't want to say it on tape, but <laughs> in theory, right, there's an idea. They said, they told him, in order to get out of it, because they didn't want this happening. They said, your majesty, it's not fair. Our wives are automatically at a disadvantage. Your wife has all the, the makeup of the princesses and all the queens. Your wife has the best clothing out there. She's automatically going to look more beautiful than our wives. There's really nothing we can do. And they expected it to be that. They said, like, the only way that we could judge this properly is if she came unclothed. And, you know, that can't... What? These were other kids. Other people, Sarin, we'll call them. Like, other officers and stuff like that. Right? And there would be, like, people out there. But, yeah, you'd call, like, governors and, like, maybe, like, you know, mayors and stuff like that. So they said, it's impossible. The only way for this to happen is if she's unclothed. And that's impossible, right? Now, it's like, that's not impossible. Let's do it. Let's go for it. He totally turned them around. Says the Beneshkai, right, that they thought there was no chance the king would agree to this thing. They weren't asking to do so. They weren't saying as long as she appears naked. They said the only way this is going to work is if she appears naked and we can't do that. So there's no way for this to happen. There's nothing we can do about it. And therefore, Akashverj then went around and said that seems to be a great idea. Bring everyone in without the clothes. Let them ju- We'll judge them all at the same time. And he told Vashi to come in first, right? And start the contest and then we'll go on from there. And that's the idea. From that point on, we'll be able to go through. That's the Benyota. Pretty awesome. Awesome, right? That's the Benish Kai's idea. What's up? The idea, I know, because of the doorbell. Yeah, this is what happens when you do it on Purim night. The Beni Yoda says the idea is, is that she had makeup and jewelry, all the clothes. They said, we can't judge this fairly. So let's wait, right, until everybody's naked. And then we'll be able to judge this. Thinking, Akashur is saying, no way we can do that. We can't do that. And thinking it will be over and we don't have to worry about anything. They didn't realize that was exactly what Akashur was waiting for. Akashur said, good, we'll do it. Let's bring everybody in unclothed. And that was the shocker. So they didn't do it to be audacious. They did it because they thought it was good. Okay, that's the idea. Targum says that Akashur told his officers to bring Vashti to him without any clothes. And it's Mida Kenegamida. Why is it Mida Kenegamida? He used to embarrass the Jewish girls on Shabbos by having them also work without clothes on Shabbos. And according to the Targum as well, they wore shotness. She specifically made them wear shotness on Shabbos. So they would be off. The only thing she was allowed to wear was the crown on her head in the schus that her great-grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, gave Daniel special royal clothing to wear. Therefore, she went ahead and she got the crown. So she had all her clothes off, Mida Kenegamida, but she was allowed to have the crown, Mida Kenegamida, because of what her great-grandfather did with Daniel. Right. Is yeah. there something special about Shabbos on Shabbos, or is that just... Nothing. Not, not that we know. It happens to be, by the way, that Vashi worshipped the mazel of Saturn, and Saturn is Shabsoi. That's why we call it Saturday, because it's Saturn's day. So she worshipped that. There were four different avodos that they did to Saturn. One of them is that they wore all black instead of colorful clothing. The women back then used to wear colorful clothing, not black. Weird, right? It's like a totally different world from us. Okay, but either way, but that's number one. Number two, you had to work. You weren't allowed to rest. Number three, you weren't allowed to be together with your husband. And number four is one of the reasons why she technically had an excuse not to be with Ahasuerus. And number four, um, she they had to... What else was the other one? I forgot what the other one was. But it was all four that they had to do. And she made Benosi Sral do all that. She made them... Oh, and eat. You're not allowed to eat. So she had the women strip out of their clothing, work on Shabbos, 
right, and not eat during Shabbos itself and not to be together with their husbands. So she made sure they did that. So immediately, immediately was, she was killed on Shabbos. That seems to be the idea behind it. Targum Shini says the command was a little bit different. It seems to be a little bit different. He told her to get off the throne and take her clothes, put it to the side. She had to put a golden crown on her head and hold two golden cups of wine in her hand, one for her and one for Achashverosh, and appear like that before the kings of the 127 nations of the world so they can see that you're the most beautiful woman. So it's a little bit different, but the two gold cups. The model says it was way more sinister, way worse than what you think. The Puzzik says that she, be, she should be brought in front of the king. That could mean he was asking her to be together with him in front of all the guests at the party. So that there would be an illicit act in front of everybody there in order to fulfill his taiva because he was a truly disgusting person. And that's what kind of a person Achashverosh was. Perhaps she would have allowed a beauty pageant, says the Maral. If she could have allowed it. She was a prutza. She was a terrible person. She might have said, yeah, I'm okay with that. But this was too much even for her. The Beniyo also talks about this, how he wanted, it's like a whole thing where they wanted Vashti to be like an animal and Achashverosh to be like an animal. And the officers had set him up for this so that this would happen because he called them animals at one point. So they wanted him to be like an animal, to be together with them, uh, with her publicly in front of everyone. Says the Maral, that's how bad this was. It was a horrible situation that Vashti she said, that's too far. You went too far. But I would have done everything else up until there. The Gron, the Yosef Lekach says it was like a parade. It's like a parade. Because look at the Pesukim. Look how the Pesukim says, Laharus ha'amim v'hasarim is yafir. To show the people and then the officers her beauty. Who do you think would see the beauty first? Wouldn't you think the officers would be shown the beauty first and then the people? Why would it be the people and then the officers? Well, the answer is, she had to parade from her part of the palace to Achashverosh's. Well, on the outside, who's going to be on the outside? The people and the sarm are going to be on the inside. She would walk through the amim first and then the sarm. It was totally degrading. And he did it on purpose. He wanted them to think, right, that there's something wrong. She would come to the throne room where the sarm were, and that would be afterward. And not only embarrassment, it would be an embarrassment in front of the entire city of Shushan. And that was too much. The Ibn Ezra says that this is a common thing to do in the land of Edom. On the days of their party, they would tell all the women to come into the room completely undressed, and they would have a beauty pageant. They would do that every single time at one of the parties, says the Ibn Ezra. She had never done so before. She was from a different type of a land, and therefore, he knew that, and he was completely drunk when it was made, otherwise he never would have done it. That's how the Ibn Ezra put it, puts it. But the Ion Yaakov says, like we said before, she was a tremendous prutza, and she did this all the time, which is why Akashverosh expected her to say yes. She did this all the time. She wouldn't wear clothes in the kingdom, in the palace. She wanted other people to see her beauty. She wanted to be known as the most beautiful woman in the land. Sort of like Snow White. I forgot what the name of the person is. Does anybody have any no, idea? Snow White. No, the other one. The one that wasn't. The real beautiful woman in the land was Snow White. But the one who had the mirror. What's her name? Queen. The queen? She doesn't have a name? We'll call her Vashti from now on. Vashti used to do that and go around and show everybody how beautiful she was. And therefore, he suggested it. He said, yeah, of course, why not? She does this all the time. So why can't we let that happen? But the Ramban says in this parish something. Oh, the Rambam, I'm sorry. The Rambam says in his parish on Megillah something awesome. She was excited to do it. She was unbelievably happy to do it. But at that moment, she had a tail. Now, we all know that tail vort, right? The zanav that came from her. Did you know where the tail was? What did you think? You thought the tail was in the back, right? You'd assume where a tail normally goes. That's what I always thought. Did anybody hear anything different? No, right? No, Rambam, because you read it right here. 
Yeah, thank you. The Rambam says that the tail stuck out from her forehead. She had a huge pimple, the way he said it. Like a massive pimple that just started sticking out from the front of her forehead. It looked like a tail. I guess not like a fox tail. I always pictured it as a fox tail. What? He says pimple. He says, Morsa b'matzecha. Morsa b'matzecha. Mapis morsa is popping a pimple. So she says something like that, where it appeared as something like that in her matzech, mamish, in her forehead. And again, I always picture, I don't know what you guys pictured as a tail. Did you picture a lizard tail? I pictured a fox tail. I always, you pictured alligator tail? No. I never had that. I, I always pictured a fox tail. You are? Like a little cat. This must not have been that way then. This would have been like almost like a, I, I don't know, like a pig tail, like a goat tail. I have no idea. But something that would just been a big bump. A big bump, like right in the middle. Right. Like Harry Potter, but I only read the books and some of them. He gets a big tail. He gets a... He's not in the first one? Good times. It's been a long time. You know what? It's perm night. That's maybe we should concentrate on that tonight. That's one, number one. That was probably that. Or maybe Tsaras grew on her forehead. It could be that she had Tsaras in her forehead and it went around. She couldn't go. She was very upset about it. There is another explanation that she had. She went into Nida. I've always learned that Zanov is Zava Nida Bitamidis. It's the Russian of Zava Nida Bitamidis that she kept, she couldn't get rid of it. And maybe she was too embarrassed to walk without clothing in front of the king. She felt like something was going to happen. So she would have gone, says the Rambam. And just like the Ion Yaakov. She would have gone, but there was something wrong. Esther Rabbah says she did say yes. She said yes, but she asked Achashverosh for something. Meaning they came and they said to her, will you do it? And she said, yes, on condition that I can cover up a little bit. If you allow me to cover up a little bit, then I'm willing to do it. I could be mostly undressed, but I want to be covered up a little bit. It would sort of be like what women are willing to wear nowadays at a beach, what they're doing. But back in the day, nobody ever did that. Right? They didn't do such things. I mean, unless Edom was, Ibn Ezra, <laughs> Edom was doing it all the time in parties. That might be a little bit, right, that might be a little bit different. Right? But Esther Abba says, so she asked for that. So then she asked to go in without wearing a crown. Don't let me wear the crown and then maybe I can do it. But he said, no. He said, no, because I want everyone to know that it's you. Because you could just send in somebody else, pretend it's you, and nobody will have any idea. You have to wear the crown because nobody would have the audacity to wear the crown. Right? So that would be that. And we already said this, but in the Amloes and Torah Shlema both say it was a common custom in Persia. I know I mentioned the Ibn Ezra before, there was a common custom in Edom, but in Persia, to have the men sit there, have their wives dance without clothing before them, and that would set the tone for the entire party. That would be what they did at all times. Akashver was drunk enough to want his wife to do the same, even though normally important women were excluded from this minhag. This custom did not happen by them. It is interesting because it seems like this party really did have good intentions. The Kliyakar in last week's Parsha says there was a major difference between Akashver and Belshazzar. Belshazzar really was a horrible person. And he, Mamish, wanted to destroy the Jews and didn't want anything to do with it. Akashver was a bad person, but his main idea was to take over for the Jews, not to destroy all of them. Not yet. The Gemara says that he was like a guy with a mound. He didn't know what to do with it. And Haman was the guy with a hole and he didn't know what to do with it. So they, he did want something, but he wasn't overt in what he wanted to do. And therefore, he was a little bit different. Normally, he wouldn't have, but that's that. The Miyamaloye says the entire thing was for the Jews. He assumed that the Jews were going to be there. And if there were women walking around unclothed, Right? Then they would finally commit adultery. This whole party for 187 days was to get the Jews to sin. Now, you know how we say, like, the Jews run the world and, like, we're really in charge? So it's true. 
and everything does revolve around us in a good way and a bad way. Spiritual way. Yes, yes, that is true in a way. We have the ability to daven, right? Other nations also have the ability to daven, but it's more enclosed as opposed to global. Our tefillos are global, and that is the major difference between us and them. Not that they're not great people, not that they can't get Olam Haba, but we have the ability to affect others. Achashverosh made this entire party and spent millions, maybe even billions of dollars to get the Jews to sense that he is the future of Klau Yisrael. He's the new Kohen Gadol wearing the Kohen Gadol's clothing. He did all of it for them. So he, until now, he's been trying to get them to commit adultery, separating the men and the women, and then slowly but surely bringing a woman in. Now he gets women who are not clothed to walk through the affair. And he tells his wife, Vashti, Vashti, if you do this, the women will follow suit. If you do this, all of the Jews will follow you. And therefore, she said, start it off. Let's see what happens. So it wasn't just a coincidence that he did this. He did it because he wanted them to sin. Little did he know that the Jews weren't around because it was Shabbos and they had stayed home. Isn't there a little bit of a conflict between he's trying to like help the Jews? I don't know exactly what he would think he was doing, but... Kind of like on the Jews' team in his own mind, and Rashi is very against. The dichotomy of Achashverosh is well documented. That we I, we don't know where he holds, and he's a strange person from the beginning to the end. He seems to be a Russia, but we don't know what his full view is. He didn't allow them, although Koresh, his predecessor, allowed them. Yes, he, Koresh allowed them to build the foundations of the base of Mikdash. He stopped it. He wrote a sitna. That's in Daniel. That he stopped it, and he said, absolutely not. There's no way that you're you're filling it up. It's in Daniel, Ezra. I don't remember. But either way, but he did say that. On the other hand, we see that he was fine with the Jews toward the end. Maybe not Again, overly efficacious to them because he, he clearly was upset at Mordechai and Esther when they had killed all of Amalek. But clearly there's something there. But I think there's something there. There's something where he's sort of for the Jews, sort of against the Jews, and it went back and forth. And he's still, Esther, you mean? And he's still married to Vashi, and she was, he seems like the most anti-Semitic person. We don't know anything about Vashi. Maybe, you know, there, there is a line that they ask, why did Haman want Vashi out of the kingdom? So one of the clear lines is that he said he wanted his own daughter in instead. That's one. Or maybe he thought that if Vashi is still queen, she didn't want to be together with Haman. So Haman would never be king after that because Vashi would say no, right? And Esther maybe was more influential. Maybe that would be an idea. But it could be that he thought, Haman thought, that Vashi was trying to help the Jews by worshiping Saturn. She's trying to get them to be in her religion by doing everything that she was doing. There's a possibility like that. It's just, it's so unclear. That's part of Megillus Esther, where everything is so unclear. Even the motives, except for Haman, the motives are completely unclear. So I don't know. I, I really don't know. But then there's the Malbim. The Malbim has a beautiful backstory to this. Okay, he says, everyone thought that Ahasuerus just claimed the throne was through Vashti. And that made sense, didn't it? Wouldn't that make sense? Belshazzar's granddaughter, Belshazzar's daughter, I'm sorry. And just to get the story down, Belshazzar, on the last day of his life, right, he was the one who made the party. He had the clothing of the Kohen Gadol on, he used the kiln of the base of Mikdash, but he was using them in a bad way, right, getting drunk off of those things. And because of that, that hand appeared on the wall and started writing down those letters. He didn't know how to translate it. He brought Daniel in. Daniel came in, translated the letters, and said, yeah, you're going to die tonight. So he made a rule that nobody could leave the king. Nobody's allowed to leave the palace. If anybody tries getting into the palace, they should be killed. He had to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. He went 
went outside the palace to go to the bathroom. When he tried to get in, the guard said, you can't come in. He said, I'm Bel Shatz, are you fools? Right? But they said, no, you're not supposed to. When he tried pushing his way in, they killed him. Realizing that it was Bel Shatzar, they thought, oh my gosh, what are we going to do now? At that moment, Koresh and Darius, Koresh and Darius I, who were Persian Medes, etc., came rushing into the kingdom, took over the entire kingdom, and it was done within almost a few hours. Now, the question is how they got a hold over here. There's a question who Ahasuerus was. Was Ahasuerus raised by wolves and then eventually became the stable boy? for Belshazzar and took advantage of the situation, saw they were coming in and said, oh, I'll tell you guys where to get in as long as you give me something that I want. And he took Vashti as his gift. Or was he Korish's son? Ahasuerus was Korish's son. And therefore, he ended up taking over the kingdom because he was simply put, he was the prince. We don't know. We have absolutely no idea. But says the Malbim, when he took over and he was married to Vashti, everybody thought, well, he's king, but it's because of the queen. He's married to the queen, so he's the queen's husband. Sort of like Queen Elizabeth, right? What's her husband's name? I don't know. None of us are English. But her husband's, her ex-husband's name. But he was King Philip, is it? But he's only the queen's husband. He's not officially the king, or he wasn't officially the king, right? I'm sorry? He's the first husband. All right, is there anybody now? I don't know, I'm going to feel bad. And I know somebody from England is going to be watching this. Somebody from London is going to like yell, yell at me later on. But I, I think, I, I have absolutely no idea. Maybe he says the following. He says, he was really upset about this. And throughout the whole party, through 187 days, the people said to him, how's your wife? How's the real queen doing? And Akash was upset. And he wanted to show everybody, no, 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 no. I'm the king. I took over. I'm the one, what? Prince Philip? It's called Prince? Okay. Well, thank God for Google, right? I don't know how it would have gone on. I don't even know why it was going on. I should have waited. <laughs> so anyway, so he says, he he said, like, I only took her for my wife because she was beautiful, not because she was a princess. I didn't take her for that reason. I took her because she was a very beautiful person. I didn't want her yichus whatsoever. And that's why he wanted to prove that she was dirt. And he wanted to force her to do something that the lowliest lowlifes wouldn't ask of their wives. Says the Malbim, he did this with every intention for her, right, to think, what in the world is my husband doing? To show I'm the king and you're a nobody. Everybody's saying that I'm married to you and you're the queen and I'm a nobody? No, no, no. I'm the king and you're a nobody. So what ended up happening? What did Vashi say? I'm the queen and you're a nobody, I'm not coming to you. Which proved the point for everybody else, which is why Ahasuerus, when it was all done, said, okay, I, I, I can't handle this. And that's why he had to have her killed. He, by her coming in and saying exactly that, which was exactly the opposite of what he wanted. So what did he do? He said, I want you to come in completely unclothed. I want you to come in, show everyone, and hammer home the idea that I am the one in charge. And when she disagreed, that's why she had to be killed. As a side note, you know the Chassam Sofer says she wasn't killed by Ahasuerus. Chassam Sofer says she committed suicide. She was made the the person in charge of the beauty contest. And because she heard that she was going to be in charge of picking her own successor, she committed suicide. Chassam Sofer says that in Taurus Moshe. So she died. But she didn't die through the hands of Ahasuerus. Yeah. If you notice, by the way, there's not one reference in the Megillah of, of Vashti being gone. It says he remembered Vashti and everything she did, but in theory, that could be exiled. You don't know. Yeah. So, according to the Megillah, just basic, basic shot, he didn't have regret the next day. There was regret. But there was regret in the sense that I should have thought this through. Right oh. now, I can't take her back. I already sent an edict out even, to everybody. Even if sober, the, even if sober, if she were to, you know, 
<coughs> make him look like such a fool regardless, he would have still killed. Yeah, it's a good call, Moshe. Probably. Something would have happened by that point. And that's that. The morale brings that as well, and he says that's why, if you notice over here, it says, Lahavi is Vashti Amalka. Throughout the Megillah, you'll see her known as Hamalka Vashti or Vashti Amalka. Hamalka Vashti means she's queen. She's Vashti. Here it's Vashti Amalka to show she's Vashti, right? And because she's married to me, she's my queen. That's what he was trying to prove, trying to prove that idea, and unfortunately it didn't work out. I'm going to end with this Balaturim. The Balaturim says there are three times when the word Laharos is used in Tanakh. Laharos, Esiafya. One is here, one in Chumash, where Moshe Rabbeinu says, Hashem has showed him everything that he needs to know. And one at the end of Megillah, where the edict is shown to Esther, Laharos, to show her the Gzera. This hints that Moshe Rabbeinu has shown everything that happened to Klal Yisrael. Everything that happened in the past, everything that happens in the future, the good and the not so good. The good, in the sense that Esther was shown what this edict was, and how everything was going to work out well for them in the end. The bad, and so the idea of right over here, laharos es yafya, even the evil that's out there. If you want, you can even darshan it the other way. Laharos es yafya, to see the beauty of Klai Yisrael, and laharos es exera, to see that there are some times where Klai Yisrael is not always in the best place. And that's how the Balaturim says that there are two ways that you can observe lahashmida and yafya within the parsha itself. So if we learn this correctly, we have a couple answers. We have the idea behind the Gemara and how to learn up the we have the Marsha and the Ben Yoyada, what they were thinking. We have the Targum and the Targum Shani and the Maral, what was happening, as well as the Malbim, really. Whether or not this is a common thing and whether Vashi was ready to do this or not, that's the Machlokis between the Ion Yaakov Rambam and Esther Rabba versus the Ibn Ezra, maybe the Miam Loes. And then finally, this Balaturim that tells us what he was trying to show. It's been awesome, guys. Thanks so much for coming and a Freilichem Purim. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.